Paul and Sherry have a Paul podcast. Paul and Sherry podcast, yes. yes. You've been yes. excited about this one for weeks. Yeah, I know, and I hope I didn't hype it up so much that uh, there's no way I can uh, sort of surpass or at least reach the bar I've set for myself on this. Ah, well, you'll only disappoint yourself. I may have amped it up for myself too much, but that is not for me to decide. No. Um, that is for our listeners to decide, and uh, I hope they will be honest and tell me if that is the case. But we are... Whoa, whoa, whoa. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Hi, Sherry. Oh, hello, Paul. <laughs> I always skip the pleasantries and go right into the into the goods. You're well, just half... Because we, we've talked about this before. It's because we've already done the pleasantries. We should just record the beginning of our Zoom call. We should. Sub it in. It's we, fine. Hi, already, Paul. How are you? A, we've already had a whole conversation. Now we're gonna. Yeah. It's gonna be. We might have three. I'm doing well. I'm doing well. Um, things are things are going okay. Things are going okay. I'm delighted to hear that. You know, sleeping well, eating pretty good. You know, yeah. Doing tacos, good. burritos, the tacos, usual. Tacos, burritos, staying hydrated, getting a good night's sleep. You know, watching a couple of decent fun shows. You know, but not too much. Yeah, taking, nice. taking a walk every day. Taking a walk every day. Staying yeah. active. I'm doing pretty okay. I'm glad. And how are you? I'm, yeah, I'm good. I'm good. You know, all things told. I feel like I want to say I'm better than I deserve to be, but that's a horrible thing to say about yourself. Yeah, maybe it is. Um, I think I'm better than I would expect, given... Given everything, right? Yeah. Oh, um, yeah. Yeah. Um, and I was thinking that too. I mean, the how are you doing? If answered honestly, I think, mm-hmm. and I did, I did answer honestly, um, is something that I'm seeing more people ask each other seriously mm-hmm. these days with not just, um, not just, uh, coronavirus, COVID 19 still as prevalent in our uh in our counties and in our states and in our country as it has been i mean the curve is flattened but it's not yet really gone down that much uh right. so far um it's still out there and then of course with um the murder of george floyd at the hands of authorities um and the uh televising of the huge outpouring uh in response to that, rightly so. Um, people, when people ask that, how are they doing? It seems to be a question that's asked a little more seriously than it has been with sort of a passing greeting that it has been in the past. Yeah. Well, I think it's also like, I feel more and more, and I think this has been true since we ended up in quarantine back in March. I used to answer that question just kind of flippantly without much thought. And I think it's taking me a lot more time to answer that question. I feel like I'm starting to be more thoughtful about how am I? Yeah. You know, I can't answer that without like taking a second to check in. Yeah. I got to do a little check in. Yeah. A little diagnostic. A little diagnostic. Earlier, you and I were talking when we originally did our check in on each other. And you told me that you had prepared a response. (laughs) Right, I think that speaks to that. Yeah, um, and it, when I answer it a little more slowly, it's like, huh, how am I doing? I am doing okay. It is all those other things I'm thinking about, you know, um, our colleges and universities 
and offices and jobs and businesses don't really have a great sense about what the other side of the stay-at-home orders and the quarantine is going to be. Not that it's a quarantine, mm-hmm. right? Um, what, do we just enter phase two or we're entering phase two on Friday or something like that? We either just Northern Virginia, yeah. Two. Yeah, yeah. Even Northern Virginia. Um, so we still don't have a whole lot of clarity. Um, the, uh, the we hope has become we think with a lot of people's plans on what what's going to happen. Yep. Um, with some with some jobs, not with others. Um, uh, how am I in response to you know still not really seeing people too often with the pandemic? How am I in response to the shocking and you know things that are on TV and the, the sickening video recordings that are coming out with police brutality and uh, with people literally being murdered uh, by authority figures. Um, it's like, I think I'm okay. I think I'm hanging in. Um, but you you said something interesting. You're better than I deserve to be. I don't know. You know, I don't know. That's an interesting thing. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, deserve maybe isn't the right word, right? But it's just like, you know, one of the things I keep noticing right now, and sometimes the response that I give to people when they ask, how am I doing? I say, you know, I've had the opportunity to express the full range of human emotion recently, and they all still work. Yeah, what a gift. <laughs> and I, yeah. <laughs> and so I feel like, to some extent, that is kind of, that's kind of where I'm at, and it's kind of where I'm actually getting more comfortable to be. I think... I think I'm a much less happy person. This is a great irony. Hmm. I'm a much less happy person if I strive to always be a happy person. Oh, absolutely. Right? Absolutely. Absolutely. 100%. Um, yeah. So I think the more I stop running away from pain, the more that I just kind of get okay with the fact that like, yeah, I'm not always going to respond to things in the way I want to. And, Sometimes things aren't going to go like, I don't know, just the more, the more I retool my expectations, the easier it is to just accidentally find yourself in a moment where you're like, this is what joy feels like. Yeah. What does it mean to be a happy person anyway? You know, what are we, what are we looking for? Um, Because when you say, how are you happy? I don't know. I mean, is that a kind of, I don't know if that's a, a description of how one would feel that is appropriate for a short-term moment-to-moment experience. I don't know. I guess I guess it could be. You know, it seems like more of a thing for me, whereas, like, if, if these conditions are met, then I am happy. You know, so what are those conditions? You know yeah. What I, mean? I might be yeah. kind of weird on that. I don't know. I don't know. I. Yeah, like, what are the conditions through which happiness occurs? I don't know. What I do know is that it's, you know, there's that song, like, that, like, oh, the happy, like, you're I, I don't, it's like clap along and like, there's all this, I don't know. Sounds like but a lot of I, work. Yeah, it's a lot of work. I just know that when I hear that song, I do not feel happy. There was like a semester where I asked all my students, as I tend to do, like at the beginning of the semester, I asked them something about music because it's how I kind of get to know people. Um, but I asked students like to tell me one song that makes them happy. Mm-hmm. And somebody gave me that like song and it's called happy. Um, and I don't know what it is, but like, there's something about listening to a song that is selling me happiness that every time leaves me in a place of like utter grief. Yeah. Like, I don't know why, but I'm just like, no, 
Don't tell me to be happy, song. Yeah. As a rebel, I yeah. would resist <laughs> the suggestion that I should be happy. I would be miserable just to show you that I can be. Yeah. Uh, but there's all kinds of songs. I mean, there, there could be a happy playlist. Don't worry, be happy. Ugh. You know, it's revolting yep. to begin with. Um, anyway, um, yeah. so that is curious. And I wonder how our listeners are as well. How are you guys doing out there? You know, we, we're always interested in seeing how you guys are doing too. And uh, to go back to what you, Sherry? Yeah, go ahead. Okay, um, to go back to what you uh, you said uh, before, I have been excited about this topic and I am happy um, that we are having the opportunity to talk about this because it's something that you and I, it seems like, have through one way or another talk about a lot. I think so. And I think it's actually related to the conversation we're having anyway, right? Like mm-hmm. the idea of how we are, it's related. It's definitely related. Um, but I think since we, we haven't even told our listeners what we're yeah, talking about. Yeah, I know they're about. like, get on with it. Get on with it. Um, well, they might have read the show notes by now. <laughs> Several times. They, right. they can read that. Like, what is this about anyway? What? Why do we keep logging on week after week to listen to these two again? Um, we're so glad you do. We're so glad you uh, do. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so I think it's something that like, I don't quite, and we can probably get into this. I don't know when we started talking about the idea of the rates of things, mm-hmm. which is what this episode is about. Ta-da. Ta-da! But ever since we did, it's one of these things. And we've been talking about this in another group we're part of. I feel like you and I talk about it all the time. Mm-hmm. And then I end up bringing it up with other people. So I don't know how not to talk about this now that I see it. Yeah. So, once you once you pay attention to it, it's everywhere. So true. It so, is your experience, Paul, you know. Because you're so excited about this episode. Oh, God. Would you like to tell our dear listeners what we mean when we say the rates of things? Well. What are the things and what are the rates? Yeah, I could, uh, I could talk about uh, certainly what I mean when I talk about the rates of things. And that is probably a good way to... To start, I guess. And um, to do so, I will just sort of talk about uh, the conditions under which this topic a- arose. And I don't know if it was you, I don't know if it was me, I don't know if it was somebody else, I don't know if, what it was. But um, the conversation was going down the lines of whatever it was uh, as we wittily banter along. And um, this conversation started to, to happen about how thinking something through and understanding why something happened and sort of working out the, the logic of -hmm. something in an intellectual way where the, the mind understands the ins and the outs and the what's and the who's and the wherefores and all of that. Mm -hmm. Um, And it can make perfect sense. However, there is still um, bodily or emotional discomfort uh, Mm -hmm. that lingers that mm-hmm. lingers, you know, and I don't know if it was you or if it was me or whatever, but it ended up being like, ah, these things, these things are processed at different rates. Events are processed at different rates. Um, the rate at which the mind strives to understand something and comes to a conclusion differs in the rate um, that emotional investment or reactivity to something happens, which is very different than the rate at which the body processes um, situations and experiences 
that mm-hmm. we have during the course of our lives. So my head understands that, but my body still has not yet caught up with what it is that we're, we're talking. It's like, ah, the rates, ah, the rates of things, mm-hmm. you know, and, uh, that's all sounds great. Who cares? Uh, Bessel van der Kolk has a, has a book called The Body Keeps the Score, um, about people working through PTSD and the research on PTSD. And it's exactly this. It's exactly this. Um, the body holds, holds trauma. You hold trauma in your body. Mm-hmm. Um, and when you find something in your environment, which your mind will do to track potential traumatic triggers, um, you know you found one uh, because your body is what reacts to it. You know, mm-hmm. the, the mind and thinking, oh, I'm here. I'm not still in that situation. I'm not at risk or in danger in any well, any way. Well, your body hasn't quite figured that out yet. And you're experiencing the full somatic trauma of <laughs> of being re-triggered into that traumatic thing. Mm-hmm. The, the mind, your emotions, and your body uh, process information and experiences and recovery at very, very different rates. Yeah. At very different rates. Yeah. And I think that's what I find, like, the more I really think about this, and I think about the fact that there are kind of three different time scales, right? Like, so there's, there's the body, there's the what, what the body is doing, and the body gets to, to have a say, right? There's the intellectual, there's the brain and what the brain is, is doing with all the information. Mm-hmm. And then there's also the emotions, like, it's kind of like the heart. Um, and all three get a vote. But they're like, they're dealing with information on totally different scales, right? Like, mm-hmm. so they're all voting, but they're voting with the best information they have in the moment, mm-hmm. right? Um, and as somebody who suffers from anxiety, um, and has for a really long time, uh, better part of at least 20 years, um, like my body is always the one that, um, I try to, I don't want to listen to as much mm-hmm. because I'm like, okay, you're, body you can't be trusted you're this whole anxiety thing um so i always have thought of myself as thinking uh that the body is behind schedule right because um it it can't be trusted so i like push it away um and so i i personally rely really heavily on like well what does my brain think like my brain is the trustworthy one i can trust the brain body's kind of on its own because it's 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 kind of broken uh, is the way I've kind of always thought of it. Um, but I think starting to realize that like, it's not that body is broken. It's just that maybe it's on a different scale. Maybe it's on its own timeline. It starts to kind of shift how you see how you're responding to, or how I'm responding, um, to individual circumstances. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. A little bit of uh, paying attention to something else besides the, the, the mental thinking, thinking aspect of it it's like and i mean we've all had this experience before you know i think in sometime in our lives one i mean i i mean if you've ever had a relationship with anyone <laughs> with anyone you know anyone i think you might all? have experienced this in one way or another um you know you're seeing somebody you really like them a lot they break up with you that makes sense you know i get it you know, we're in different places. We're looking for different things. Maybe that relationship didn't work. It makes sense. It's totally reasonable. There's a thousand fish in the sea. See, whatever. I mean, whatever sort of story you tell yourself. Yeah, well, it still hurts. Yeah. It still hurts, right? Mm-hmm. Um, 
and it can take a while to get over it. And there can be um, some risk in this uh, for the for the person as a as a whole as a whole being. Mm-hmm. As when the mind has made a decision to move on, yet the body has not, um, you can get frustrated with the body for taking too long mm-hmm. with it. Um, you can wonder why it's taking so long. Body, hurry up. Body, why don't you cooperate? Body, why can't you be on my side on this? Um, and that frustration can lead to um, emotional antagonism against your body, against the body. You know, um, it can lead to all sorts of all sorts of sort of dangerous, dangerous perspectives where you're of the impression your body is working against you mm-hmm. um, with it. And the way that I sort of capture it is, you know, we'll get into the what ifs, I guess, in the second half, right? I don't want to mm-hmm. spring it on them now, but there are some, there are some ways uh, that you might be able to reframe those kind of things, but it's tricky out there. Um, and if you don't, if you don't appreciate all these things that are moving through, I think, um, at different rates, mind happening, emotions happening, sensations in the body sort of happening as an interplay at different rates. It can be tough. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. It can be tough. Um, be tough. Yeah. And so I think, so like, what do we do? Right. Like, mm-hmm. I think, you know, there's space here, I think, in this conversation to like talk about like how this plays out. Right. And how the different, how the different rates kind of can trip can trip a human up. Uh, but then also kind of the conversation of like, well, what do we do about it? Like that's, you know, mm-hmm. the what, I guess. Um, but I think I've always seen symptoms of this, like, like what you're talking about, like the idea of like, you have a breakup, you know, this person isn't right for you, but yet it still hurts. Right. Um, or, uh, um, I, I guess in some ways, like, my classic example is, you know, the end of the semester, like I'll get through a semester um, and inevitably, like as soon as the semester is over, I get really sick. Mm-hmm. Um, and and it's always like when I'm going through things, like I tell my body, like whatever you're dealing with is your own shit. Like we're going to get through this and then I'll deal with you. Um, so one of the things I do is I sort of try to like, pressure how my body is going to when and how my body is going to be permitted to process at all. Mm-hmm. Right. So what, whatever time scale body is on body gets silenced because we've got to do the mental work or we've got to do the emotional work. And then at a certain point, like I feel like in my case, my body will be like, okay, well um, I've been, I've been pushed behind. I've been on the slow schedule for a while. I'm going to aggressively take back over. Mm. Um, and so then the body will speed up and sort of push me to process what the body's going through um, by, you know, suddenly I will get a flu um, or I will have a migraine. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. Or a panic attack. Or, or panic. yeah, it will ask politely uh, for a little bit of attention. If it doesn't get it, it will ask less politely. Uh for, yes. for some attention. Yes. You know? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, I mean, I think it's a very weird for me, um, you know, goes back to kind of the question we were just asking, like, how are you? Um, whenever anyone has ever asked me that question, like it has always been my instinct to give them an intellectual answer. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, like, Oh, I'm fine. Fine. 
course I'm fine, right? Fine, right? I mean, do I look like I'm bleeding? Like, yeah, I'm fine, right? right? Um, but what if we, when we check in with ourselves, what if we're asking, you know, how is my body? How is my mind? How is my heart? Like, where are each of those things? Yeah, and uh, to the person who is asking the question from a place of nonchalance, uh, what would they think? It's like, well, I'm thinking this. I'm feeling this emotionally right now. Um, however, I'm also feeling some tightness in my chest, a little bit of a lump <laughs> in my throat here when I think about this one thing that happened to me last Thursday. You know, um, and I don't think that's the answer they're looking for. Um, I think they're looking for fine. Yeah, probably. Fine, right, not as a query onto your state and the traits of those states uh, or the states of those traits. Um, but as uh, part of the glue that holds our society together through small talk, which it's kind small talk. I mean, there's nothing wrong with small talk, you know, um, but there's so much more potential with the question of how are you uh, mm-hmm. than we oftentimes get it. Yeah. Well, but I mean, I think it also depends on who you're asking, right? Like, if I'm oh, yeah, at I'll the totally grocery store this afternoon and somebody says, how are you? Of course I'm going to tell that kind person. I'm fine, right? Like, great. Um, but if I'm talking to the, let's say, six people who are closest to me in the world, right? Um, if I'm talking to those people and I ask them, how are you? And they just answer fine. But the reality is that they have that tightness in their chest and they're not telling me that. Mm-hmm then like, you know, that's, that's the work of close friendship is to like, you know. Yeah. And we, we've both seen this before. I mean, we both um, serve, I think, in the role of space holders to, Mm -hmm. to people around us, to our students, to, you know, friends. I think most people do, you know, I don't think we're, we're unique or special in that regard. I think we, have acknowledged that we do and uh, I think other people do as well but how often have we had a student come in come in the office and just kind of come in and you say hey how you doing and they say oh I'm fine and they reach for a Kleenex and here come the tears and it's like I'm starting to think you're not fine what's going on you know mm-hmm. um, and they don't necessarily want to have a deep long conversation they want to go to the safe place where they can sit down and let the body sort of keep up let the body mm-hmm. start to catch up a little bit. Let the emotions sort of catch up a little bit mm-hmm. um, with what's going on. What's going on upstairs? Yeah. Uh, kindly so, kindly so to do that. Well, and I think sometimes, sometimes I think they really are fine, but they, but and they also need to cry. Yeah, right? you like, can be both. Oh, yeah, exactly. Because like, and that's where the rates of things comes in, right? Like. um, I think, yes, uh, I have had many a student cry in my office, and it's not because I make them cry, um, necessarily. I, make um, cry I try not to, yes. right? <laughs> but I do try to make a space where people can be fully human. And sometimes being fully human is you, you somehow get, you bump up against the last straw accidentally yep. on the way into my office. And yet you're going to have a cry and I'm going to be there, you know, and I've had students um, where like everything's fine, but they just, yeah, they're going to have a cry and, um, and I'll sit there with them. And that's one of the reasons that I keep 
like bubbly water on hand in my office. Yeah. Because, you know, like Kleenex, some chocolate, uh, some tea, yep. some. Uh... Yep. Sometimes, yeah, because the bodies needs to catch up. Now, of course, there are times where students need more intervention than that. Um, mm-hmm. But I think, I think a lot of times we spend. We don't always allow ourselves to really sit with the parts that are hardest. That's because they're the hardest. It's- yeah, and I agree completely, as you well know. I agree completely with that statement. And part of that, I think, is our, our culture. I mean, we put such a primacy on the mind and thinking and logic and reason. Um, and it's like, oh, that's just the body. It'll keep up, you know. Mm-hmm. Um and we, I think that's, we, we do that because we've been taught that way. Mm-hmm. We've been taught that way, you know. Um, another trigger point of trauma, you know, I could, I could talk about my elementary and high school experiences until I'm blue in the face. I mean, oh. I've never been in an environment um, that was so engineered to generate trauma than elementary, <laughs> middle school, and high school. I mean, it's like they went out of their way to engineer traumatic experiences for people. Why would they do that? Why would they do that? Um, when, you know, a, a grievance is foisted upon you by someone else and you're personally affronted by a bully or you, somebody, you know, shoots a spitball at you or you do something and to somebody, whatever it might be, you know. I've heard there are occasional conflicts in elementary and middle school. I've heard. Um, I probably even participated in a few. And uh, the solution that is offered to our Western world is go say you're sorry. Hmm. You know, and you go and you go, oh, I'm sorry. And they and say they're forgiven. You're forgiven. I mean, talk about the shallowest attempt to go through the motions of reconciliation. Because at that point, everything has been done and we can get about our day. Um, yet these experiences live on in our bodies and in our emotions, feeling not just that they're unaddressed, but that they've been betrayed by the people who are supposed to be holding space for us. Because why don't they appreciate that there's a little more complicated for me in my lived experience than saying you're sorry and somebody else saying it's okay. Mm-hmm. Well, and I think we can look at, like, we can look at that, like, kind of playground bully kind of situation as a really good example of how things end up getting sorted at a different rate, right? Yeah. Like, because I think there's a very, like, very physical response to, like, whatever's going to happen, even if no physical altercation happens, right? Like, you know, the body's going to tense up. Like, I think different people probably carry that that moment. Like, whatever is happening between you and the schoolyard bully, mm-hmm. it's going to be a physical response. Like, maybe the jaw tightens. Mm-hmm. Um, like, I clench my fists. Um, and often, if I've been in some kind of conflict in the day, I will clench my fists. Um, and I will keep clenching them, like, sort of periodically throughout the day. And it's not until I get in bed at night that I realize like my fists are clenched and I actually have to physically say, like, you're not in a fight, yo. Like, yeah. settle it down, open your hands. It's okay. Um, but in that, like, say you're sorry, say you're forgiven. No one's, no one's asking those folks to do any body work. Right. Yeah. Like, right. you know, there's no, there's no um, necessarily direction on, um, wow, that, that was probably a lot for you to fe- to work through. Um, you know, let's loosen ourselves up. Like, let's, yeah. let's take some breaths. Are we still breathing here? 
Um, and so because of that, the body is kind of left to kind of work on a different scale. Like it has to work it out in its own. Yeah. Place. You're sort of left to go home and figure that out on your own, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. And the emotions too, right? Like, because you're feeling this in your heart as well. Like, well, who else, like who saw that and what did they think of what they saw? Yeah. And what is this going to look like tomorrow? Like, all of that unpacking has to happen. Yeah, and there's uh, what uh, in some of the... I don't talk about the suttas too often on this podcast, but I'm going to now. Um, and Sherry, you've heard me talk about this before, and maybe some of our other listeners have as well. Um, the second arrow that, that hurts us, you know, you know, the second arrow, the first arrow um, that is uh, that is stuck into us is the actual painful thing that happened you know the act that has been perpetrated upon you by the schoolyard bully whatever they punched you or pushed you over through a soccer ball at your face or whatever the case may be I, I really hope i'm not triggering people any who are listening to this you know but i very certainly might be and i apologize if i am um and the second and then you go through that process of say you're sorry oh i'm sorry okay say you're forgiven oh, i'm forgiven and the uh and the embarrassingly in effective way that that's that's treated and then it's supposed to be over and we're all supposed to be going back a, around our day but we don't and um you have this what, what is referred to as the second arrow and that's the one you put in yourself there must be something wrong with me because this is still bothering me why is this still bothering me i'm going to walk around i'm going to be pissed for the next week and a half if not longer until this day i hold a grudge against this guy this bully that was in my elementary school he's dead you know um he died about a year or two ago and i was still you know I'm still pissed at him. And um, why can't you just let it go? And it was like, it was never addressed. I never addressed it within myself. I carried it, you know, and that is the second arrow, the painful one, even perhaps even more so that I put into myself mm-hmm. um, through that. And um, it can be, like I said, it can be as damaging or if not more so uh, than, than the first one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, and that's, culture we got and um one of the things oh go ahead go ahead i was just gonna say i think one of the reasons is because like the first arrow you might take out but the second arrow actually belongs to you so you can pull it out anytime and just stick it back in right like that's the trouble is that like the bully's gone but you're still there and so you can like and that's you know i think how often do people like and myself included, go home and replay every conversation they had for the day back. And it's, you know, you, you have access to all the footage. Mm-hmm. So you can keep... Even the B-roll of the stuff that didn't actually happen that you can plug into there. Oh, yeah, you the know? potential things that you could have done, right? <laughs> yeah. The yeah. director's cut is what you end up with. Right, you, right. The extended right. director's cut with yeah. previously yeah. unseen footage. Yeah. So do you find, I feel like, you know, there's lots to think about here with like thinking about the mind, the body, uh, and sort of the heart is what I'm going to call it. Um, so do you think you tend to lean towards processing? Like, do you think you have one of these scales that tends to be ahead of the others? Uh, ahead of the others, ahead of the others, like which one, which one goes like which which one can you count on to lead the way for processing? For processing, so it's like okay, I'm going to address this. 
uh, I'm going to check in and see what's going on. Um, that process to me is bringing the finding myself in a place where I can actually spend a few minutes and actually do this peacefully. Um, uh, bringing uh, the only the only time I really ever try to invoke thinking mind into this is to bring as much awareness as I can to recovering the sense of the sense of, of the event, whatever it was in itself, you know, so using the mind not to try to logic or think it through. What were they thinking? What was this other person thinking? I'm sure they had some other thing going in their life. What might that have been that made them do that or think that way that they told me that that made me respond to that? It's like, that's not the answer. That's, that's not the answer, you know? Um, so it's not that it's using my, my thinking mind to sort of recover um, the, situation itself that um sort of working through in a way that lets it be re-experienced by my emotional state by my emotional body and my, my and my physical body after that i don't feel like the, my thinking mind really has much to offer mm-hmm. see and i think this is one of the like cardinal differences between you and me hmm. i do um and i think it's something i we noticed early on, right? Like I would come to you and I would be like, so I have a theory and I would tell you all of my theory and you would be like, eh, I don't think I thought about it that much. And I would be like, ah, I hate you, Paul Fitzgerald. <laughs> I said that but, because I didn't think about it that much. It's <laughs> not the way I, pro- you know, it's not the way I process it. So. Right. And, and I think that was like something I had to learn was that like, so for me, I'm going, like, I. it is always thinking brain first. I'm going to think through it. I'm going to rationalize everything. Um, because I cut my body out of it as long as possible. Mm-hmm. Like, we've covered this body. Right, cables. right. So, like, so the way that you tend to talk about, like, well, I'm not going to, oh, I'm not going to, like, rationalize everything. What are going to do? Think about terrible, it? Terrible, right? Yeah. Ridiculous. So you're like, ew, why would I do that? And I'm like, why would I just sit there and ask, ew, buddy, how do how you do I feel? feel? <laughs> I wouldn't do that. So I start with like, okay, let's, what are the facts, right? Like what, what data set do I have that I can hyper analyze? Um, and part of that is because, you know, I grew up being called a highly sensitive person. Um, you know, we can call me an empath if you want. Right. But so, so part of that was like being told, okay, my body, I don't trust. Mm-hmm. My emotions are frowned upon by people, right? Like, oh, you, you feel too much, like blah, blah, blah. So like I started, I sort of eventually just became a hat. Like I am most comfortable overthinking. Mm-hmm. And then I'll let body and mind in. And it doesn't, you know, it's not a good thing, uh, but it's just what I've realized and learned about myself is that I tend to start with the mind, but I need to work harder to bring um, the body and the heart into it. Mm-hmm. and allow space for that um and really honestly i need to like i can trust my emotions and my body a lot more than i think i can but mm-hmm. i just think it's really interesting to hear you describe like oh what am i gonna do like think about it and i'm like yeah paul that's what i'm gonna do over here <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's, it's fun to be us so <laughs> um but yeah i mean i think my approach now that i take whenever any, I mean, this is not just difficult conversations. This is any really, you know, um, as, as this is why I, I am put such interest on things like nonviolent communication and active listening. 
mm-hmm. and um, these sorts of these sorts of endeavors, um, which you can practice these things. I mean, it's a skill. I mean, you can mm-hmm. you can develop your ability to do all of these things. It's not like well. You know, I wasn't born with it, so I can never figure it out. I don't think anybody is. You know, it takes a little bit of an educational process with yourself to figure out how to do this. Um, you know, not listening with my mind. When, when you do that, all you end up doing is thinking about what you're going to say in response to it, um, which is going to be two people having a conversation about logic. And if you're talking about math, that's fine. Um, if you're talking about literally anything else, it's less fine uh, because it's not actually going to be a, a conversation that authentically sticks um, in any meaningful way with you as a formative and um, and present person on this on this earth. I don't listen with my with my mind any more than it takes for me to drive the software to run my ears. You listen with your body. You listen with your body. You know, as words come in. Um, where do you feel them? What is your, how is your body responding to what's being said? Um, what emotions are being generated, uh, with, by your body when these words come in? And when you do that, responses tend to be a little bit different than they were. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you were, if you were doing it a, a, a different sort of way. Because ultimately, what's going to be happening is the other person is going to be either initiating or responding to your response from a place of sensations in the body. And, you know, we've seen many times two people having a logical conversation that just completely goes off the rails, you know, from ignoring how things are landing within their within their bodies because they're, they're saying the right thing. I just made air quotes, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, trying to say the right thing, even though it is clear their body and their emotions would prefer to say something else. Mm-hmm. Um, which is why, and we talked about this last time, Sherry, um, if actual conversations take a while, mm-hmm. they're spacious, mm-hmm. there's as much time um, involved in the conversation where nothing is being said because things are being felt. Mm-hmm. Well, I do think that's one. So because I tend to lead with the logic, right? And I should say... Uh, which is not wrong. Which is not wrong. Yeah, it's not. No, it's not. no, it's not. Right. Thank you. <laughs> it should be clear. Yeah, yeah, it's not wrong. You know? Thank you for seeing that and acknowledging that. The other thing is, like, so our listeners should know that as a human person in the world, I literally have the word logos, which means logic, tattooed on my right wrist, right? Like that's here. Paul can see it right now, right? So like, that's just, it's it's really is part of my identity. And I think one of the the things that I realized is like, I've been so hyper uh, attuned to logic at the cost of everything else, Mm -hmm. right? That like, and I think the other side is true. Like if you're always body and emotion and you're not logic, right? This is a big part of um, what we do in rhetoric, right? We talk about ethos, pathos, and logos. So mm-hmm. we think about credibility. We think about emotion. We think about logic. You need all three, right? Like yeah, it's not, absolutely. It's not, absolutely. It's not pick two, like pick your favorites. It's, um, it's not a buy one, get one. It's like, you really need the whole tree, you know? Yeah. Yeah, tree. absolutely. But I think one of the reasons that, like, I find myself uh, right now slowing down a lot and it, in a way that surprises those closest to me, like someone will ask me what I think and I'll be like, quiet for a second. Mm-hmm. 
Um, Which is so not like, oh, you asked me what I think. I'm going to try out seven ideas out loud, hate all of them, and then come back three days later and tell you something different. Right, right. That tends to be who I am. Um, But what I find is if I slow down, I can actually check in and say, oh, like, do do I have like, do I have a bodily response to this issue? Hmm. Like, is it there? Maybe, maybe not. Right. But like, can I, can I stop for a second and find out, um, you know, what are my emotions telling me? And that's actually something that I'm, I've learned a lot about, um, my own anxiety is that, um, when my anxiety pops up, it usually is my body talking, um, and what my body has to say is in contrast to what the logic says, mm-hmm. right? Like every single time. Um, and, and so I have to find ways, uh, to, to help those two resource banks talk to each other. Um, because like I will, I used to ignore like, oh, um, I think you and I have talked about this, Paul. Like I'm shaking. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's weird. Um, I wouldn't ask my body, hey, body, what's up? Why are we shaking? Um, I'm sure the body had an answer for it, but I just try to ignore it and like, mm-hmm. push through. Mm-hmm. Um, but turns out shaking is actually communication yeah. from my body to me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, I think we can learn a lot from tapping into all of it. Um, but I do think we live in a society that values being rational right absolutely um you know i also know that i'm a person that's not really all that afraid to talk about my feelings and that makes people hugely uncomfortable it does it does um it really does uh if they don't know what they're gonna get if they ask that question uh, it's almost an act of kindness just to say fine Mm -hmm. and move on um, cause it, I mean, that conversation could actually go into a pretty interesting place if, if, if you would let it, you know, with, with what's moving through, moving through you right now. But I mean, our vernacular already betrays our, our knowledge of this fact, right? Um, so if you're making a decision, a lot of times we'll sit down and get a dry erase board, a piece of paper, do a cost benefit analysis or pros and cons and all that kind of stuff. Rarely, um, is a decision actually made based on that because if it was as easy as sitting down and coming up with a list of pros and cons and it was going to be clear what the result was going to be you wouldn't have to sit down and do a list of pros and cons um it might help you visualize um what uh like the numerical value or the number of things that are in the pro or in the con or whatever whatever it is not that all of those each one of these things in the pros and cons has equal weight um but ultimately, how was the decision made? Uh, do you go with your pros and cons list or do you go with your gut? Um, and so, I mean, we already chalk up the actual process of turning logic into action and even decision making based on how you feel in parts of your body. You know, mm-hmm. if, if you're in or starting or interested in a relationship that just absolutely does 
not make sense at all. And if you sat down and did the pros and cons, there are no pros. You have an entire list of cons and nothing but cons. Um, you can still enter in that relationship because the heart wants what the heart wants. And um, how often do we have we seen examples of that in um, sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't. It doesn't really matter. What matters mm -hmm. is you make these decisions with your body more often than you do. And, um, I mean, you listen to what your body has to say already. You're hungry. You're thirsty. You're hot. You're cold. I mean, your body gives you information all the time. Rarely, however, um, is that routed through, uh, emotional, emotional content mm -hmm. as it is with the exception of being hangry. Uh-huh. With the exception of being hangry. That's a, I mean, that's a direct example of, you know, the physical sensation of a physiological response being channeled through an emotional doorway to res the last thing that you're doing right then is thinking. You're acting with no logic being placed into it is nothing else by evidence by your decision to go to the vending machine and get a honey bun. You know, that's when you make bad food choices. <laughs> You know, um, they need a Snickers or whatever, right? Um, it's also when you make bad life choices. It is right? when you make like, bad life um, choices. Never make them when yeah. you're hungry. Yeah. I mean, like how I, you know, I can think of a number of times and I think we've talked about this in terms of like, you know, I, I forget what you say, but you have the saying that's like, if you're mad at the world, like go to sleep. And if the world's mad at you, eat a sandwich yeah, or something, yeah, yeah. something like yeah, that, yeah. right? Like how much of like how we're responding to the world, our whole perspective can change if we have or have not taken care of our body, right? Mm -hmm. Like, um, you know, we, you and I tend to talk about this in terms of resourcing. Like I'm starting to realize there's certain things I can't do. Like, you know, People I can't talk to, uh, phone calls I can't make, emails I shouldn't send. Mm -hmm. If I'm tired, right? If I haven't eaten, if I'm thirsty, right? Um, or if, you know, like I mentioned, I consider myself an empath. Like if I've done a lot of emotional lifting for the day, there's certain things I can't do because, you know, the body, the heart is playing catch up. Like, or because it's just been overused, right? And so even yeah. though my rational brain might know like, oh, there's a reason to do this thing right this minute. My body and my heart are not in a place to do those things. Mm -hmm. So we can't do it. Those are the rules. Yeah, those are the rules. And, um, you know, like I was saying before, you you run the risk you know, of having a non-healthy relationship with your body and with your emotions if you don't appreciate that. So um, how does one do this? And this is my, uh, so Sherry, what if, um, what if Sherry doesn't, Sherry gets a lot of what ifs from me every once in a while. You know, what Sherry's if? starting, let's, let's try this Sherry one. Sherry feels a bodily response <laughs> when Paul says, what if? <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Um, what if, rather than having frustration with the, with the body and its inability to, to keep up with 
with logic in our thoughts. What if we didn't say, oh my God, my body, why is it so frustrating? Why is it still holding this trauma? Why is it still holding on to this pain? Why can't I get over it? Why am I still having this response? Clearly I'm safe, but something in my peripheral vision or in my direct experiences is causing me to be, you know, re-traumatized by, by this thing that happened to me. What if rather than taking that on in the body, we let our bodies say, all right, thinking mind, be patient with us be let's let's have some, let's bring some patience to this let's bring some patience to this um slow down a little bit and let's see how we feel mm-hmm. what is yeah yeah i mean i think that's very central i think it also though like even within that i think there's a cultural thing that we have to push against even within the call for a human to do that because like, Paul, what you are essentially saying is that what a person should do is sit down and talk to themselves. Revolutionary. Right. right that's what you're, <laughs> but, yeah. but we live in a, I mean, we, we also live in a culture where I bet, you know, people have been told like, oh, only the real Boncos folks talk to themselves. Yeah. Like, you know, like right. I grew up with jokes about this, right? Like, oh, you know, the problem isn't talking to yourself. The problem is when you start answering yourself. No, actually, that's the solution. That's the solution, yeah. The solution is actually, what if you talk to yourself? Um, yeah, like I think there's this really weird stigma, and I think it has a lot to do with a really a bigger mental health conversation, actually. Yeah, absolutely. And, and actually a conversation about ableism, actually. Um Talking to ourselves is actually okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think that's where we have to start. What if we got okay with talking to ourselves? Yeah. What would um, we find out? What mm-hmm. would we find out? Yeah. Oh, that's so interesting. Yeah. And relying on ourselves as the first source for information. Yeah. Um, and it's a recognition of where you are, you know, and that's where it can, it can start. Um, I mean, we all might have some sort of idea about, I don't know, what a, what the best version of ourselves might be, you know, things we want to do if we could just get out of our own way or things that we are interested in that we're resistant to or whatever it, it sort of might be. Um, how, how does one engage in, in this? What is a process through which somebody can engage in? in order to um, uncover those best, those best things for us that we can, we can uncover to do that. And how do you, how do you actually listen to yourself mm-hmm. to, to do it? And um, I got a meditation practice. There are other ways to do it, you know? Um, and this doesn't necessarily have to be a pitch uh, for Vipassana or anything like that, but it could be, uh, but it's not. Um and yeah, it's that, it's the, it's the check-in, you know, um, how, just recognizing that things that come into you, experience you have resonate through the body. You know, when, when, when something happens, when something occurs, when you get that email you didn't like, when somebody says something unkind to you, or you witness something unpleasant, I mean, the body rings like a bell mm-hmm. on that, and then it vibrates through the whole thing. Um, and, and it can, it can live there. It can live there for a while. And it's that process of uncovering what you think you should do. And we, we've been saying this a lot too. You stop shooting yourself, mm-hmm. um, to 
kind of get to the bottom of, of who you really are and what, what's your body really want to say and what's really in there so you can make a better decision based on who you are and how your body is processing stuff uh, t- to do the not the thing that is the best thing that somebody else would suggest, but the best thing for you to do mm-hmm. based on who you are and what you can do. Mm-hmm. It's not easy. It's not easy. It takes a little uh, self-recognition. It takes a little will to power. It takes a little, uh, it takes time, mm-hmm. you know, that you might feel is inconvenient to have to devote to something so wonky as paying attention to how your body is responding to things that happen all around you. And if you want to practice this, the universe gives you a million things a minute to work on. Mm-hmm. You know, you don't have to go and try to find something. You get stuff all the time, you know, that you can you can sort of work through. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, how do how do those things land and, and, and where when, yeah. when they get in? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think it's a, I mean, you know, obviously I meditate as well. So meditation is definitely a practice. I, I do think, though, that different people are going to be starting at this this idea like if people are thinking about understanding that the rates of things vary and that the rate by which their heart processes and that their body processes and their mind processes is different um i think different people are going to lean into different parts of that mm-hmm. you know um so i can i can really see there being people who like it feels as though you lead with how your body responds mm-hmm. right like that's and i could compare this to an enneagram thing um and how it supports the fact that i have a theory that you're either an eight or a nine mm-hmm. uh, right and, and and enneagram uh eight nines and ones are sort of tied into the body uh whereas like two three and four are of the heart and then uh, the other three are more of the mind. Um, so I think different people, depending on who they are, are going to lean more heavily towards one or the others. And so I think the way that you advocate for a process that starts with the body comes from the fact that that's where you start more comfortably. No, oh, totally. Totally. Um, you know, because I've tried to do it the other way. I've tried to start with the mind and it's like, yeah, this isn't working out. This yeah. isn't working out, you know? It's like the body keeps raising its hand to say something and it's like you keep, nope, nope, nope. It's like uh, my body sort of demands to be the first one mm-hmm. to have a say. Yeah. And that's and that's how I think, you know, one of the things that's interesting, if I continue with the Enneagram thing, I'm kind of on the cusp between um, the heart and the mm-hmm. rational, right? The, the mind. Um, and so these two... I like push off all the body stuff um, pretty hardcore. Um, But I could, I suspect that for most people, there's one of these that feels right or feels more at home. Of course. Yeah. Um, Yeah, I'm sure. And then they have to, they have to do the work to make space for the others. Mm -hmm. And I, I mean, could you imagine what life is like leading with emotion, you know? Mm-hmm. I can't because that's not me. But you know, I would love yeah. to hear. I would love to hear some folks who do and what that what that's like. You know, um, 
Well, why does that look challenging to you? Because like, I just don't even know what that would be like. You know, it's just, <laughs> I can feel in my body, my resistance to the idea of leading <laughs> with emotion. Because it, it feels like, like with me, the emotions are the last thing that comes into it. You know, I go from body to head to heart, you know. Um, it's uh, maybe you've noticed that. I don't know. But it's like it's my, my mind. You're not telling me in, new information. Yeah. Yeah. My, my mind sort of comes in and tries to make sense of what my body's going through. And then, you know, if it decides to some emotional uh, little label will get kind of stuck onto it. It's like, oh, that's uh, that's what that is. That's sadness. Oh, that's grief. Oh, that's happiness. Yeah, that's whatever. Awesome. Awesome. It's not that a decision, right? It just it, it just had to go through this this process of of linkage. In order well, to get there. And I think it's interesting, right? Like, so for me, I think I tend to start with the mind. Then I tend to go towards the heart. Although I actually think my inclination is to start with the heart. But again, mm. because of how I've been socialized. Um, and that's not like, you know, it's, it's kind of how society socializes sensitive people. Um, you know, I feel like, oh, maybe starting with my heart isn't the right thing because it's been criticized so much. So, but so because of that, my inclination tends to be mind, heart, and then body last. And so I find this so fascinating because I think there are things that I can point to like meditation, right? That are processes specifically designed to help you get in touch with what your body is saying, mm -hmm. right? And to lean into that and to get comfortable for it and make space for that. I don't know. And it's maybe just because I, this is not the work I've had to do. I'm not sure what, like for someone like yourself who starts with the body, goes to the mind and goes to the heart. What does it look like for what's the process? What's the, you know, the meditation equivalent to help someone get more comfortable leaning into the work of the heart? Yeah. I don't or, know. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. Right. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. That's a good question. But that's the, I mean, and I think, good question. I think it is not uncommon uh, for people to really struggle with like, Oh, I don't do, I don't do heart stuff. I don't do emotion. Right. Um, right. And there's probably some gendered stuff there too. Yeah. I'm sure. Yeah. Right. Like Paul's not going to sit with his feels. I'm not. And, and that's no, I'm not. I'm not. <laughs> no. <laughs> I just made like nine faces. I am not going to sit with my feels. I'll sit with my body, you know, and, and feel things. And the the feels are going to be, you know, okay, yeah, I guess I am sad. Uh, yeah, yeah, I'm okay with that. I guess I'm kind of happy, you know. It's more of a descriptor like you were describing a meal, you know. It, it's not the flavor of the thing. It's just sort of the words you use to to sort of encapsulate what, what the body is doing. Um, which is why, you know, with, with the rain rain process that we're talking about, you know, the N, recognize, uh, allow, investigate. And then mm -hmm. the the N, you know, if you, if you don't uh, know about this, uh, Tara Brock's book, Radical Compassion, talks about this, but she has a lot of resources out there. Um, but Michelle McDonald, about 20 years ago, was the first person to talk about it in this context, um, or talk about rain as a process you can go through to sort of uncover body sensations and how they link up with mind and events and things like that. N can either be nurture which I'm like, nope. Um, or in can be non-identification, which was the original one. 
where, you know, you're, you're not going to be nurturing whatever this feeling is in your body, but what does it need from me right now? And how can I extend kindness to it? Um, it's, it's more of a equanimous perspective that you can take on it where you're not feeding it directly into a pre-existing narrative that may or may not be true within yourself. You're just going to see it for what it is. You're just going to see mm-hmm. it as it is. It's like, Oh, that's interesting. It's not me. It's not a part of me, but it is something that is part of my experience. And I can relate to it that way without, mm-hmm. without, um, judge and jurying it, so to speak. Um, but right. I'm not going to nurture it. But, you know, but that's just my resistance to it. Cause it's like, I just don't do that kind of, I don't know. That might be a gender thing. What if, Paul, what if you tried nurturing it? Yeah. What would happen? What's the worst thing that could happen? Well, I can feel the resistance in my body just even with the thought of it right now. It's like, I don't know. Uh, you know, but we see this. I mean, we can, we can read body. I mean, when people talk about reading body language, this is it. This mm-hmm. is it. You know, um, you know, you can make somebody squirm with your words that you use just by saying uncomfortable things. And that is their body's response to what is going on right now. I mean, if you want to, if you want to see how people, uh, really, Respond to things. Don't ask them. Watch them. Watch uh-huh. what they do. Because um, the body also doesn't lie. Uh-huh. You know, it can hold on to stuff. You know, and it can it can respond uh, in with severe discomfort to situations that are not risky. You know, it can hold past trauma and can can re-express them based on any number of factors. I'm not saying that. You know, but a logical conversation with your body is not one that's going to change your body's response to what that is. You know, um, the body's not going to, the body's not going to lie to you too often, right? It might be responding inappropriately, you know, um, but you, you feel what you feel. Yeah. You feel what you feel. It's hard to logic your way out of a panic attack. You know, um, you can reason oh, through. Oh, but I've tried. Can, yeah, yeah. Oh, it's it's not easy. It's not easy. Um, and part of the part of the issue with that is when you're having a panic attack. You know, logical thought is the first thing that's sort of out the window. Um, you can you can go through a check down, right? Okay, take a couple of deep breaths, do some four, seven, eight breathing. <sighs> Just put your hand on your heart a little bit. You know, we can we can sort of redirect some things. But that is a that is an experience you are authentically having with your body, and you will feel it. You will feel it, and it can sneak. It can sneak up, and it can happen faster than your mind can can make sense of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I mean, I I think you are right. One of the reasons that I have, and I think you know my my relationship to anxiety, like everyone's, is incredibly personal, right? Yeah, um, yeah, absolutely. And everyone else's mileage definitely varies. I'm sure. Um, it took me, it has taken me a really long time to realize that I can't logic my way through it, mm-hmm. uh, actually, right? Like, um, because I, but I try to, right? Like, I've got, like, a master plan. Like, I have a full list. Like, okay. And and the thing is, is I can logic the way through other people's panic attacks. Yeah, like, absolutely. Like, absolutely. y'all, if you're having a panic attack, call me. I have the best toolkit. I know how to get you through this. But. I know because I've researched constantly about how to get myself through it. But as soon as I'm in it, the toolkit goes out the window. Um, like I can't tell myself, go get a drink of water. Water is going to help you. Yeah. 
Like I can't, no. Um, but what I am learning is that when I am starting to see if, if I am listening to myself and listening to my body, I can start, I can start to see it's, it, it doesn't actually sneak up on me. Yeah, I start right, to notice right, right. what are the conditions that, that b- my body speaks to. Mm-hmm. Um, and then sometimes I can't actually head it off, right? Like I can say, you know, like your body is starting to tell you a thing. If you don't go listen to it, there's going to be hell to pay, yeah, right? Yeah. Happen. But, you know, the other side of this is, you know, I, I keep, I'm thinking more and more about the heart because it does feel like the most dangerous territory. I think both of us have resistance to yeah. go, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, and, you know, even this week, um, I can't believe I'm going to, yeah, that's fine. We'll go here. Even this week, right? Uh, I actually said to you on a call uh, that I felt like my heart was going to explode, mm-hmm. right? Like, there's just so much going on in the world. Yeah. So much going on within me. Like, like I'm just, you know, like, I don't know. I'm, like, I am transforming in a lot of ways uh, through all of this. And so a lot's going on. And I, I literally said to you, like, I feel like my heart is going to explode. Mm-hmm. And then you, in all your glory, said something with one of your what if questions, right? Like, what if? And I feel like you can say this to me, but like, I am waiting for the day I can say it back to you, yeah. sir. Like, you said to me, like, what if you just let it, right? Like, and and there was more to it. But one of the things I like, I, I spent like the rest of the day thinking about that. Like, mm-hmm. what if, what if, it what if I did like, like what's happening? Like, what do we really mean when we feel like our heart is going to explode? And I think what I came down to with it is my heart is screaming out for me to let it lead the way, like for it to be the part I listen to. Mm-hmm. Um, and the reality is that if we, if you let yourself like, God, for me, that is such hard work to really listening to like all of what a heart can tell a person. Right. That's super overwhelming. Yeah, absolutely. It's a lot easier to say, logically, I am perfectly fine, but physically, I would like a glass of water. That's easy work. Yeah, you can think, I mean, you can think a couple of things simultaneously, you know, whether they agree with each other or not. You can feel different things in the body at once. Well, my heart feels like this. My chest feels like this. My lump in my throat. There's this weird thing in my left eye. And uh, I have my left leg itches or something. I don't know. Emotions. That's one at a time. Those line up. You know, it, it seems like the words to describe are fewer fewest for the emotions you know uh but that just might be my perspective on them as well i also think there's only like five colors so i mean it might just be limited in my vocabulary and an enriched vocabulary might change my mind on that um but it seems like you know i can only feel one emotion sort of at a time and i have to let one play out you know before i feel another one or is that maybe just because of how you've been practiced in noticing your emotions yeah it totally it totally could be yeah it totally could be isn't it the same about like if you ask somebody how does your body feel right and they're going to point to the one spot on their body that hurts right and they're not going to notice all the other physical things that they're feeling at exactly the same time because there's like their practice is to only notice whatever thing is screaming the loudest what if the same is true of the heart right 
what if you are just noticing the one emotion that is loudest? You're getting pretty good at these what ifs, Sherry. You're getting pretty good at these what ifs. You're going to have to take your own medicine, my friend. Yeah, yeah. that stinks. Um, it could be a thing, right? It could be <laughs> yeah, a thing. Yeah, it could be a thing. Yeah, it certainly could be, you know, because you wonder what, you know, how much of this is. Oh, I mean, it's it's hard to even know how to approach this, right? How much of it is your acculturation during the span of your life and how you've been raised? I mean, I mean, the way I was raised in my house, my God, you know, I don't, I don't think emotions were something that was felt, let alone expressed by anyone. Um, and. So, I mean, the first time that I started to experience strong emotions being expressed in other people, it's like, wow, do you see the people in their family? It's like they hug each other. That's crazy. I've never <laughs> seen that before. Wow. Is that, is that a thing? Um, and uh, to this day, you know, I'll, the only time I'll feel any discomfort uh, at all is when I actually hug family members because it's just not done, Sherry. You know, you know, <laughs> but it's like I'll hug anybody, but it's like, uh, yeah, you know, you feel this. Because you, that, I mean, that's just how the way we were raised, you know, is the way we were raised. Um, and so it's, it's still, it, 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 it feels odd in my body when either giving a family person, a family member a hug, or when I see other families expressing any sort of physical affection for each other whatsoever. It's like weird, weird. Um, just because it's not my experience that I had grown up, and it's it's you know mm -hmm. I and it's a lazy response for me to say it's baked in, you know, because it absolves me of any responsibility to do anything about it. Not that it's the worst. I mean, I can live the rest of my life. I think pretty effectual, right? Without having to address this, it's it's more of a curiosity than anything else. But it is still there. Um, it's it's still there, and so you know it's. Uh, it one wonders what would happen if I took some time to unpack that a little bit. What if? What if I unpack that? What would I discover? What truths would be known to me? Would I would I to do that? I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, I do think though. Like emotions are for me, and you know, it would be interesting to hear from some folks that listen uh, who are more comfortable hanging out in emotions, right? Like because I think we can. It is much more comfortable to sit and identify what are three thoughts you're having at the same time. Yeah, anybody could yeah. rattle yeah, those off. That, right? Um, what are three things your body feels? Yeah, sure. What are three things your heart feels? Right? The first two feel a lot safer than the third. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. What my body does? Ah, that ain't me. What I'm thinking right now? Ah, that's just what I'm thinking right now. That's not me. What am I feeling right now emotionally? That's you. You know, that's a little too personal. Oh my God. Now we're talking about, whoa, whoa, whoa. We're, we, we've, we've met the ghost in the machine at that point. Uh -huh. Um, and, uh, that's the moment where people the change the kingdom. Subject, right? Yeah. Yeah. Whoa. Yeah. How about the weather? Yeah. So, uh, what three, tell me three things that you're thinking right now that you're feeling right now. Uh, it's like, ooh, ah, hmm, you know. And, uh, maybe we should start there instead of saying, how are you? Maybe we should start with, what are three things you're feeling today, Paul? Yeah. I mean, not today. Maybe a different day. Because yeah. you might ask me and I don't want to do that today. Yeah, well, well, let's try it. You know, next time we're at the grocery store and we're checking out, talking to the cashier. Hey, man, what are three things you're feeling right now? 
know, see what happens. I think you're going to get some looks. You might want to start with people a little closer to you than the grocery store clerk. Yeah, maybe that's true. Mm-hmm. Maybe that's true. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Maybe start with your chiropractor. Somebody a yeah, little closer. Yeah, yeah. Closer in. Yeah, I'll run it by her and she would see. She'll see. And she'll, I mean, she'll just rattle through things off, you know, deeply personal, like she don't even care because it's like she's in touch with her. <laughs> Starting from a different place than the two of us. Yeah, or I might be surprised at what I get if I if I did that. I don't know. We'll yeah. see. We'll find out on Friday when I see her next. Yeah. I'm not going to ask you to do that today. Because oh, I'm totally going to do it. Yeah, I'm totally going to do it on Friday. My big fear is you would ask me if. Yeah. Yeah. Um, sure. If people did. But, oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, but I think this, this shows us that. The rates of things in some ways, right? Like, I think you and I are much more comfortable dealing with the time scales of the other two. Yeah. And I think uh, if somebody's thinking about how to get started with the, the appreciation of the rates of things, I think the first thing might be to appreciate that things happen at different rates, mm-hmm. you know, and maybe bring in a little light into, well, you know, maybe the body does take a little longer to process stuff than my logical brain does. And maybe emotions are coming in from the side a little bit, um, mm-hmm. either before or after the fact. I don't know. I don't know, you know, and just kind of spend a little time paying attention to 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 that. Yeah. To that. And sometimes when, when a deep transformative question is asked of someone and they respond too quickly. It's like, I, don't, I think that's logic mind. I don't think they're really feeling the answer on that. They'll, we'll come back to this later. And it could be an awareness thing. Like maybe the rate isn't the issue. Maybe it's the awareness. Like our awareness happens at different rates. Yeah, absolutely. Right? Absolutely. The feelings are there. The All of it's in here. We yeah. just haven't been made aware yet. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Hmm. If our listeners wanted to tell us whether or not they lead from an emotional perspective or how this resonates with them, how might they do that? They can find us in a few different ways. They can. If they're listening to the podcast, uh, as well, obviously. As they may be, as they may be at Uh, this time. Yeah. So there are lots of ways to respond from wherever people are listening right so if we're on our website we can respond as a comment there on our website mm-hmm. what's our website again www.thismostunbelievablelife.com that's right and they can email um, us at the paul and sherry pod at gmail.com indeed there's also ways to leave comments on podbean which Correct. is where we our podcast is native there but also just wherever folks uh, get their podcasts, Apple, whatever it is, like, comment, talk like, to us. Comment, rate us. Wherever you are. Yeah, and you can also reach out, of course, on Facebook and on Twitter, on Instagram, and you can find us there, too. <laughs> and I don't want to even pretend that I remember all of those. Just go to the website, www.thismostunbelievablelife.com, and click on the icons to take you to the socials of yeah. your choosing and and where are those icons located on our i don't know they're either at the top top or at the bottom okay okay they're on the top right of course you're You're like click on some buttons that i obviously they're on the top right yeah um yeah and we'd love to hear from them that's why paul doesn't know yeah um yeah we'd love to hear from you 
We would. Cool. Thanks, Sherry. What a great conversation. Yeah, Paul. This is great. Yeah, this is a deep dive on stuff. This, I mean, it's complicated and it's not quick and it's not, oh, I'm going to figure this out next week. I mean, it's been years, you know, that I've sort of been working through this a little bit. And it's. I think we might have learned things even as we talk. Yeah. Yeah. And I think I do that by paying attention to my body and how things land. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, wow, it's like I'm restarting the podcast now. Um, this verbal processing that you, you say you're a verbal processor. Mm-hmm. So words are coming out, right? Where do they, where do they, what, where's the process happen? Uh, Maybe this is a different episode. This might be a different episode. Yeah. I think it's interesting. I'm just curious. You've said you're a verbal processor too. We are both verbal processors and we tend to verbal process at each other, which is a gift of our relationship. Right. Um, I think one of the things is that logic mind is trying to figure out what's true, right? And so, I mean, I really do think, like, once you hit it, the body knows, Hmm. right? But a lot of times I have to say a bunch of things. And as I'm saying it, I'm listening, but I'm also, like, sort of tuned in. Like, is does that feel right? Hmm. Does that feel right? Like, is that... Um, so a lot of times I will rehearse what I'm thinking. And this is part of what I'm figuring out. Like, um, I don't actually have to do that aloud. I can also do it written down in a book. Um, it's a lot kinder to my loved ones. If sometimes if I do that, Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, like sometimes like I'm wading through the rational information, which is what I'm most comfortable with. And I'm looking for how it fits with the other, like, how does it fit in my body? How does it? strike me emotionally mm-hmm. cool yeah i was curious yeah what about you i think i do an internal process you know i do i do talk stuff out um on occasion and that is a that is a, a practice that i do in, engage in i i sort of sit a lot uh in silence without saying anything i think i'm doing it i'm doing it now and saying mm, how's my body so it's like i i'm sort of i sort of wait for the body to reckon do some reconciliation before i even uh express it vocally i think at least the first pass it's like is this i'd i'd rather not say something than say something so monumentally boneheaded or unkind yeah well and when you when you aren't sure i know that you will ask me to, to allow you to say things that aren't going to sit for good. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Like, you'll be like, let me just, let me just say I'm things. Gonna say a thing. I'm going to say something. It may or may not be true. We're just going to see how it goes. <laughs> right. You know, just as a, as a field test, you know. Yeah. Um, I'm going to say something and see how the body likes it. That's interesting. Cool. Yeah. Whereas that's all I'm ever doing. It's just like, oh, let's throw it out there and see what happens. See what happens. Yeah. See what happens. Let's see what happens. Uh, thanks, Sherry. Yeah, thanks, Paul. What a wonderful thanks conversation, for and thanks for having it. Yes, indeed. Cool. Um, and we will see everybody soon. Well, we'll at least we'll talk, talk to, talk to them anyway. Right. Yeah. Awesome. Uh, see you, Sherry. See ya. Bye. Bye.